Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Above all, I'm a Christian. And I'm already on a team. I already belong to Jesus. I'm already part of the church. I'm not part of no other organization. Because there's not an organization to fix this world. I'm already part of the one organization that can make a difference. And I'm not, I don't believe in any other group, any other organization to make a change in where I believe in the church. I believe in Jesus' organization called the church, that we do our job to evangelize the world, to make disciples of believers, that we'll be making the difference and the change that God wants. As we experience and witness various challenges in our world, who do you place your hope and trust in? Even the most powerful, well-funded organizations will one day no longer exist. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will encourage listeners that God should be our only true allegiance because only He will last forever. Empires have risen and fallen throughout the course of history, but the one ruler who has always been at the top is our Lord. May we find peace in that and never waver from our trust in Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 18. As he continues his message, Babylon is fallen. We don't want to be that for the kingdom where God's like, man, there's so much I placed in you. I placed things in you that the potential is great what I could do, but we live in such a way distracted by other things that we never get to realize what God would have done through us. And so we want to be careful not to miss out on the Lord in that way. So um, moving on now, the last thing he said in verse eight says, therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And so it seems that at the end, as we're toward the end of this revelation, the judgment on this system is going to come swift and quick, and it's going to be destructive. It says in a day. I don't know that that's in an actual one day, um, but it means it's going to be rapid and quick and, and very destructive. because It's going to take place quickly. And God's method of judgment oftentimes is fire. And he says here, She'll be utterly burned with fire because strong is the Lord God who judges her. Uh, now look at verses 9 and 10. It says, the kings of the earth, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So the kings of the earth, the world leaders that have profited from this system, when they see it going down, it says they're going to lament and cry and mourn, but they're going to do it from afar and so some believe that maybe this is, you know, nuclear warfare or something that's taken place. Those are things that we don't really know for sure. But the kings of the earth, those that benefit, mourn when she is destroyed. God says, look, there's going to come a time when those that were benefiting, those that were wealthy because of these things, God says, they're going to be crying as I just burn it all up and nothing they can do about it. So if your treasure is on earth when it all burns up, that's devastating. But if that's not your treasure, if you don't if you don't live for that, it's like, man, it's, it's burning up. It's all burning up. You know, so it's almost better to, you know, better to have been broke, you know, better to better to have not been that invested when when all everything starts falling apart. So we want to be careful that we are not attached, that our souls and our hearts aren't attached to these things. God said, look, that's the system of this world and I'm going to destroy it. It's going to come to nothing. So since God gives us the heads up, right? Jesus is revealing this to us in advance. So you wouldn't put your heart here. So you wouldn't set your heart, your mind on things of the earth. But we set our hearts and our minds on things above. 
And again, if you're someone that God has blessed, because again, there are believers that God is blessed to have. It's not bad. The bad thing is when stuff has you. So if you're a believer and you possess your possessions and you're a good steward and you use things for the glory of God, praise God that he's blessed you to have. If you're a believer and God hasn't blessed you with a whole lot, probably because he knows it'll jack you up. <laughs> so just be, be grateful for what you got. You know, some people, if they got two nickels more than what they need, they'll be off down the road, you know, at the casino or somewhere. And so God just, just keeps you right where you need to be. Be faithful wherever you are, but don't let your heart be attached to stuff and the things of this world. Don't love things. Love God. Love people. Love what God loves. If you're going to give your soul to something, you're going to say, man, I want to love. Love something God loves. Fall in love with God. I love to see people get saved. I love to see people grow in the truth. I love to see people get discipled. I love to see people's marriages make it. I love to see kids grow. Find something that you love that God loves and invest in that. That'll be an investment that you'll never be sorry for having made it. When you say, you know what, I love to see little kids loving the Lord. Then invest in that. I love to see missionaries invest in that. So just invest yourself in something God loves and you cannot go wrong doing that. But don't invest yourself in things that God says, that's all coming to nothing. Don't be, you know, don't be that invested. Own it, have it, enjoy it, but don't love it. Love what I love. It'll save you from a lot of heartache. Oh, let me, let me say this real quick. So the kings of the earth... You know, they, they hate the religious system, but they love and embrace the, the economic system of Babylon. And so in chapter 17, verse 16, it said the 10 horns that you saw on the beast, these will hate the whore. Um, that's the Babylonian system in Revelation chapter uh, 17 says she'll hate it. But then in chapter 18, it says and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her shall bewail her and lament. And so, again, we see that the leaders, the kings of the earth, while they hated the religious system, they didn't like that. They love and embrace the economic and the political system in Babylon. So it's interesting that they could love one and hate the other. Let's look at verses 11 through 13 now. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and notice this, and bodies and souls of men. I'm going to come back to that before we're done. So I want you to note all these luxuries, most of which are not as necessities. Maybe the flour and the wheat could represent things that are necessary and needed, but the majority of these things are not necessary things. But the merchants of the earth are mourning over the loss of these things, and they're going to be destroyed, and they're no longer going to be able to make money off of these things. But when you come down to the bottom, it says the bodies and souls. When I read that, I just had to, I'm like, whoa, you know, what does that mean? And there's, there's a literal sense here in that, you know, there have been times in our history where, where the bodies of people have been bought and sold, right? Throughout history, all over the nation, not just African slavery. There have been all types of enslaved people over the course of the world. Today, there's things that are happening. There are things that people do today that are atrocious, where they're taking young girls from other countries and for the hope and dream of coming to America, they get tricked and they get brought here and they get put into places where they're taken advantage of sexually. People are doing that to people, to human beings for a buck. 
That's a life. That's a person. And again, we live in a system right now where somehow, like that's happening. It's happening all over the world. There are places all over that that's happening in. And it's, it just is happening. And so I know I live in a crooked, perverse world. And I'm not confused about that. Here's what we need to know. Don't be a part of it. Make sure you're not a part of this in any way. That you don't sow into it. You don't believe in it. You don't practice it. This also is the pornography industry. There's another whole other industry where men and women are taken advantage of. Some that are poor. Some that are got drug addiction. Some that have been, they've been pimped into that system. And they're making videos and people are watching them. That's a, that's a whole system. These are souls of people that are being used for, for gain. But people participate. Christians participate. If you watch pornography, you are a participant. You're helping that system go forth. We have to have nothing to do with these things, with these systems in place that are destroying people. Because as believers, we're supposed to be a step back saying, you know what? I love what God loves. I love people. I have a heart for people. When I see people hurting, it bothers me. It impacts me. We can't be part of the system that says, man, we see people hurting, people going through this, people going through that, and somebody's profiting somewhere. Someone's rich for it. There's not a more lucrative thing, you know, entertainment-wise in this culture right now than pornography. And so that's it's shameful. It's sad. But it's the world in which we live. And we, we're not going to, we won't fix that. That's going to be happening until the Lord comes back. But I'm saying for the church, we should never be a part of it. Anything we could do to intervene, we want to intervene where we can. Um, but we definitely don't want to be a part of this because this is the system that God says, I'm coming for this. There's judgment coming for this. I believe that, you know, people that die before this, that are participating, there's judgment for that. There's a penalty for participating in these things and, and, and people being taken advantage of in that way, right in God's face. These, these people are made in his image. There are people that are doing what they can do to intervene and to interrupt that and to, you know, stop it. But it just seems like it continues to, to go forth. But God is letting us know here as we read this. I'm coming for all of that. Nobody's getting away with that. People that made a living their whole life taking advantage of people. They got to meet me one day. They got to meet me one day. They got to stand before me. And so I think God's judgment will be no joke for these things. And so. Again, I would say to believers, right, if you're caught up in materialism, you need to come out of it, right? That you don't love anything. Appreciate your things. Be grateful for your things, but don't love them. Don't love them. Don't, don't let them own you. And if you struggle with that, then just give up. Get rid of the stuff, right? If you can't, if you can't have it without it having you, then don't have it. Be free of the stuff so you can belong to the Lord. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, I want you to consider how many times he apparently broke the law to minister to people. How many times he didn't do the Sabbath law because somebody needed to be touched that day. And it wasn't the right day for work to happen, but he was like, look, I, I made the Sabbath. I'm in charge of this thing. I'm going to heal him. I'm going to tell him to stretch forth his hand today on the Sabbath day. And there'll be some folk that won't like it, but he's going to be healed. That's okay. Right? That's to be the heart of the believer. So when we see hurting people, the details, somebody else can sort that out, but we're going to have a heart for hurting people. And we're going to be preaching the gospel to hurting people. We're going to reach out in love to hurting people. Whoever they are, wherever they come from, whatever they look like, that's what the church is supposed to do. Politics will have you looking and saying, oh, well, they shouldn't have done this. They were wrong. This and that. None of that matters. None of that matters. Jesus never did that. And they brought to him bad people, right? He, he, Jesus, the worst criminal you can be in Jesus' day was a tax collector. 
And when Jesus met with a tax collector, guess what he didn't talk to him about? Tax collecting. He just met him where he was at and gave him what he needed. He met with a woman caught in the act of adultery that was thrown in front of him. And guess what he didn't confront right away? Guess what he dealt with? He dealt with what she needed. And he ministered. He did tell her eventually to not go and sin no more. But he met her where she was. Jesus met with the woman that was at the, at the well who had five husbands and was shacked up with a new dude now. And Miss New Dude came and met Jesus. He said, look, you, you, you're thirsty. <laughs> and you keep, you keep trying men and just being, it's not working out. You, I'm going to give you something to drink. You'll never thirst again. And he met her right where she was at. Point is, he didn't meet people in these legalistic, you know, he broke the society rules when he met with the woman at the well. Jewish men weren't supposed to speak to women in public and definitely not a Samaritan woman. Jesus said, to heck with all that. She needs what I got today. I'm, she gets to meet with me today. The rules all got chucked. The societal rules and norms chucked and he met a need. That's how we're supposed to be. So it, 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 it pains me when I see Christians that start, they start working out of a framework of man's laws, man's rules, man's political thinkings. And I'm like, but you're supposed to be a Christian. This overrides and overrules all of that. I, I want to so unplug from everything I hear that's not from this book. This has to shape how I view things, see people, and even how I minister to people. So I'm encouraging you the same. The world is begging us to pick a side, pick a team, team this, team that. Don't pick a team. You're on team Jesus. And here's the cool thing, right? On team Jesus, I get to be for everybody. I don't have to be against. I'm not against. I'm for. I'm for everybody. But they're really bad people. I'm even more for them then. They're murderers. I'm for the murderer to get saved. They're, I'm for the killer to get saved. They broke the, I'm for the lawbreaker to get saved then. We're for. The believer gets to be for everybody. That's where I want to live and want to function and want to be. But again, we live in a world that's begging. Even the church is all divided up right now. So I'm praying that we would not be all chopped and divided up, that we be so Jesus, right? That we just be so led by the Lord that it would, it would free us up from man's ideals, the laws, the rules and everything else. We'd be free to love and reach out to everybody that has a need come before us. Amen. All right. Moving on. Verses 14 through 18, it says, The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what is like this great city? And so again, you have the people of the earth, the, the merchants, the, the kings mourned and also the merchants. Only people that are sorry about the fall of destruction of Babylon are those that were profiting from it. They were invested in it. And so, again, if we're not invested in it, we won't have anything to be sorrowful about. And for the believer, we have, again, we have the cheat sheet. If we'll invest in eternity, God says it'll be coming back later. You can sow treasure up in heaven where moth and dust don't corrupt and where thieves can't break in and steal, where when you die and go, it'll be there waiting on you 
rather than to have invested ourselves in something that God said, I'm eventually going to burn it all up. It's all coming to nothing. Verse 19 says, and they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. And so, again, they're observing God's judgment is swift, it's quick, and it's forever. Verse 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So while the world is sorrowing, the church is able to rejoice. Did you catch that? The, the kings of the earth, the merchants, those that were profiting from all the wickedness, they're like, no, we're losing everything. And God is saying in the churches, the believers are, he's saying, you guys rejoice over her, O heaven. And you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. That system was against you. Now I have judged that system. So again, if you're going to pick a team, you want to be on team Jesus. Amen. That's the one team we know wins in the end. No matter what it looks like today, we know the team Jesus is the team that wins when it's all said and done. Verses 21 to 23 says, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore for your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And so here God announces the finality of Babylon's destruction. You're not going to come back. You're not going to make a return. When God destroys this, God says, it'll, he says, these things are never going to happen again anymore. There won't be no more marriages over here. There are not going to be any more musicians and flutists and musicians playing songs. All that's going to be a wrap. There's, this judgment is a final judgment. But the end of verse 23, it says, for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And that, that sorcery is the same word we see in Galatians. Uh, in the Greek, it's pharmakia, illicit drugs. And so it's interesting here that by your you know, sorcery, we look at it as kind of witchcraft. But the Bible also uses it to speak of illicit drugs. And so it says, by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And so, again, I was considering that. You know, what, are the, what are the drugs that are, that are national? Everybody's, it's everywhere. Everybody has access to it. I see two things, right? I see, and I see illicit drugs come in two packages. It used to be illicit drugs we would think of as street drugs, right? Buying weed, crack, cocaine, stuff like that. There's a whole other branch of illicit drugs where people are addicted to drugs they can get from the doctor. Now you can get your weed from the doctor, right? The, the government has said, hey, this is lucrative. We can make a killing. So now the government is, I used to be the weed man back in the day, right? Now the government's like, I'm putting y'all, I, I got saved and stopped, so that they didn't put me out of business. But imagine that the government's like, look, we're going to make, you know, we'll make the good stuff in the lab. And we'll prescribe it for anything. You go to a doctor and say, my nose itches. Weed. I get headaches. Weed. You know, I have a bad day at work sometimes. Weed. You know, anything you say, I feel anxious. Weed. You know, I don't eat enough. Weed. I eat too much. Weed. They'll give it to you for anything you go for. And, you know, these are things. God said, look, through these things, the nations of the earth have been 
deceived. Once again, Christians asking, is it okay? Because now it's legal in California. It's legal to get drunk if you're 21. Is it okay? No. It's legal to live with someone that you're not married to and have consensual sex. Is it okay? I don't know where people get the idea that if something's legal, it's okay with God, right? So just because California made marijuana legal, don't make it okay with God. Still, still drugs, still giving your mind over to something else. And even though the doctor will prescribe you some drugs, if it gets you loopy, if it gets you out of your right mind, if you're addicted to them, if you're using them beyond what the need was medically, then, yeah, you want to repent of that. You want to get off of that. That's, that's giving your mind and your body under the control of something that's not God. And so we don't want to be under control of anything that's not God. Last verse 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. In this Babylonian system, it was adversarial to the people of God. And so there are saints and prophets, those that belong to the Lord and those that minister in the name of the Lord, their blood was shed there. And so again, I want to be careful about aligning myself with systems that aren't with God, right? And I'm going to say this, and we'll close. Today, with all the stuff going on, people are picking teams and sides and joining organizations and stuff. Be careful about aligning yourself with anything that's not God or aligning yourself with organizations that are against God because above all, I'm a Christian and I'm already on a team. I already belong to Jesus. I'm already part of the church. I'm not part of no other organization. Because there's not an organization to fix this world. I'm already part of the one organization that can make a difference. And I'm not, I don't believe in any other group, any other organization to make a change. In the world. I believe in the church. I believe in Jesus's organization called the church that we do our job to evangelize the world, to make disciples of believers that will be making the difference and the change that God wants. I refuse to believe in any other system, that there's another system that can outdo God, that can do what God can't do. I don't believe in it. And so so I will not attach myself to other groups or systems, especially groups that don't even agree that Jesus is God or they're against Christ. So be careful as a believer about aligning yourself and being connected to groups, movements and otherwise that are distinct from who Jesus is. You're already part of something. You already belong somewhere. You can't be on two opposing teams. And so if you're already a believer, that's who you got to rock with until the wheels fall off. Amen. We want to make sure that we're not aligning ourselves with ideologies, politics, beliefs and practices that are against God, his church, his people and his purpose on the earth. The world in which we live and the systems that it loves, God says they're all coming down. My judgment is coming against all these things. And so more than ever, the church needs to stand up and be the church. Amen. All right, let's pray, you guys. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you're revealing to us um, through the book of Revelation. And God, I pray that you would help us, uh, help us to be discerning and aware of the things around us, Lord, that we wouldn't get caught up in ideals and politics and beliefs and practices that, that are against who you are, what you believe, what you stand for. God, I pray we be we stay close to you. We stay, uh, Lord, we stay faithful to read and uh, that your word would influence our thinking and our behavior more than anything else. Uh, may we not be a part of this, this worldly system in which we live. But God, may we be in it 
but not of it. Jesus, help us. Give us strength where we're weak. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.